Welcome to Meet Your District Supervisor. I'm Halili Knox, and we're here with Supervisor Jane Kim from District 6, which includes the Tenderloin, South of Market, Mission Bay, North Mission, and Civic Center neighborhoods. Supervisor Kim started her first term this January, so she's new to the board. We're going to get to know her and talk about the toughest issues facing the city. Welcome, Supervisor Kim. Thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us about your background, uh, where, you, where you grew up, went to school, and what kind of jobs you've worked. I grew up in New York City, um, uh, born to uh, my parents who had immigrated here to the U.S., and um, actually uh, started really becoming active in uh, working in the community when I was in high school. Um, came out to California for college, uh, went to Stanford, and then when I graduated, uh, moved up to San Francisco about 12 years ago. Uh, my first job, I, I started working actually in economic development policies for uh, low-income communities here statewide in California. And then I uh, was a community organizer for six years. I worked with young people, um, parents. Um, and families around issues that concern our, our, our neighborhoods, whether it was Muni, improving Muni lines, uh, affordable housing, public schools, um, or, or just planning issues in neighborhoods like parks and rec centers. Um, I did that and I actually ran for the Board of Education here in San Francisco. I got to serve a term on, on our school board working for our families and our public school system and also worked at Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights during that time. And then I, I came here to the Board of Supervisors. So why did you choose to live in San Francisco? I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. <laughs> I, uh, I've always loved San Francisco um, in college and I just wanted to try it out. And so tell me uh, what motivated your interest in politics. That's a really uh, tough question for me to answer. I, I never had any intentions to get involved in electoral politics. Really? No. I, I was always very politically involved. I was politically engaged. Um, when I was a college student, um, I worked on statewide initiatives like uh, working against Prop 209, which was going to get rid of affirmative action in our, in our public government system. Um, worked on several initiative campaigns even uh, while I worked as an organizer in San Francisco, but I didn't really have any interest in, in electoral politics because <clears throat> I, I just had this perception that politics was, was dirty and that, uh, you know, when I went to the ballot to vote, I always felt like I was always picking between the better of two evils, and it just I didn't have a strong interest in it. But getting involved as an organizer, you actually realize what a small town San Francisco is and how easy it is to get to know your local electeds um, when you work around issues around the budget or schools or housing. And I started meeting folks um, here that were very accessible, um, some of whom had spent time working in the community, and slowly just got more and more engaged. Where do you place yourself on the local political spectrum? Are you on the left or do you fall on the right? I, I think I definitely fall on the left. Is there anything that you learned that sticks out in your run for supervisor? Anything surprising about the campaign, the process? You know, though it was my third campaign uh, running for office. I, I had run for school board twice before, and so in, in many ways I was already I, was, I already knew what I had signed myself up for. Um, it's it's physically grueling. Um, it's emotionally grueling. It's very tiring, uh, but actually. The one thing I really enjoyed about this campaign, because I got to run within a district instead of running citywide, is that I really got to know voters and residents. And I, you don't really get to do that when you run citywide. 
And I actually enjoyed campaigning more because I had time to actually door knock and meet voters individually. And I loved it. I, I actually really enjoyed being out on the field. I, I loved door knocking, and so I actually spent a lot of time doing it, uh, which I think was really important, um, both for me because I got to really get a, a deeper understanding of what people cared about and what people's concerns are and also what people loved about the district and the city. Um, and, you know, I think it was better for our campaign that I was, I was out there meeting folks one-on-one. -on -one. What are the biggest issues facing San Francisco right now? Economic development and jobs, I think, is the number one issue um, facing San Francisco and, and the country. Um, people want to be working. Um, I, you know, our economy is just not in the best place that it could be. And being out, I, we, we really learned that people want to see more jobs um, for everybody. I think second, uh, you know, it's probably a myriad of issues. For our district, I think public safety is a huge concern. And when I say public safety, it, it ranges from both low-level crime to, to pedestrian safety. And so yesterday, actually, we held our first hearing on pedestrian safety in District 6. And, you know, through this process, I've actually learned that San Francisco has the highest rate of vehicle pedestrian collisions and deaths in the state of California. And our rate is higher proportionally than New York City, Tokyo, London, other major cities around the world. So we have deaths and injuries um, that cost a tremendous amount of money. Amount and also cost our taxpayers um, every time we go to the hospital, um, every time we have to report to the police. <clears throat> and they're preventable. And we can do better. And other cities are doing better than we are. And so that's a really important issue to me. District 6 has the highest rate in the city. I mean, we're probably more than double what every other district um, has in terms of incidents. And it's not just District 6 residents. It's, you know, residents from all around the city that come here to work as well. And so we, what we spent on pedestrian safety um, over the last... Um, four years was close to over $13 million. So how will you balance the needs of uh, the district versus the needs of the city as a whole? You know, I, I've represented the city, um, represented citywide on the school board, and so it's very interesting kind of coming and representing a district and representing a collection of neighborhoods. Um, for me, it's, it's still really important that I, I represent the, the city of San Francisco uh, on a constituent level, one-to-one -one level, I mainly deal with folks that live in the district. But on a policy level, you have to think about the entire city. Um, I, I still care very deeply about, you know, uh, what's going on in terms of whether it's racial tensions between Asian and African-American communities in the Bayview, or whether we're talking about Muni, or whether we're talking about increasing density on the west side, um, or talking about public safety issues in other neighborhoods. I think it's really important for me to support my other colleagues and the issues that are going around their neighborhoods because really San Francisco is a very small city and I don't think most most San Francisco residents identify themselves by their district uh, they, they, they identify themselves as San Franciscans and so my role on a policy level is really to represent the city. So once again the city is faced with really tough uh, budget decisions including where to make cuts and whether to increase taxes and fees. How will you approach these very difficult choices? The budget is going to be really tough this year. Um, even though our deficit is not as large, per se, as it has been in the last two years, it's tougher because we've made all these cuts already. And so at this point, we're, we're really cutting things that we don't want to cut. And it's painful. Um, we're going to lose more essential services. Um, <clears throat> we're not going to be able to support our residents uh, with the support that they need. I mean, we're looking at weekend meals for seniors. We're looking at drop-in shelters that keep people off the streets during the daytime. 
um, that's it's uh, it, it's painful. I think that we have to look at it in a combined approach. I think we still need to continue to look at cuts that we can make um, within city government that that we can bear. Um, services that are less essential, even if they're important, that people don't need to depend on for their survival day to day. Um, second, we have to look at raising revenue um, in the city, um, whether we're looking at fees or different types of taxes. So I think it needs to be a combination. And third, um, we have to do pension reform. And uh, we, have to, we have to ask our, our public employees to also give that back to the budget. And they already have. It's not that they haven't, but to give back a little bit more as well. So it's, it's kind of a threefold approach to me. So what are the city's housing needs, and what do you think the Board of Supervisors should do to address uh, housing needs in the city? You know, housing needs, is, it's tough because we depend on the market to build housing for our residents. Um, currently, I, you know, for market rate housing, we, we, we build at over 150% of the need. So we're building more than the need for market rate. Um, and when we look at our, our lowest income, we're, we're, we're actually building at a roughly 80% of that need. So not bad, um, but not great. We're still not meeting for everyone. And I think a lot of that has happened uh, through a lot of the work of the Board of Supervisors in negotiating with developers as they come in to build market rate is to also ask them to build inclusionary um, or very low-income housing for our lowest-income individuals for our formerly homeless. Uh, but then when you start to look at the middle categories, our low-income and our middle-income folks, we're not building for that need at all. It's, it's anywhere from 60 to as low as 12% of that need. So I think we as a city need to do more um, to make sure that we're somehow supporting <clears throat> that type of housing. Uh, one, one initiative that I had started working on before I left the school board was building teacher housing, which is directly in that income. So essential, essential uh, employee housing. So uh, the school district is actually going to be releasing an RFP this year to build teaching, teacher housing actually in my district uh, near 16th and Mission, which is really exciting because we want to keep our teachers in our city um, engaged in our communities and neighborhoods and with our kids. Uh, but we have to continue to push for more. You know, our last affordable housing bond was passed in 1996. And that was actually a huge part of building a lot of our affordable housing. And, and that money has dried up. And we, we need to pass another affordable housing bond. And it's come on the ballot two more times. And I, I hope that we have the political will to support something like that again. What are your ideas on dealing with the issue of homelessness? Homelessness is a, is a tough issue. Um, I think in some ways our city does a good job, actually, with dealing with homelessness. We have some amazing uh, organizations that run um, incredible drop-in centers and services, and also that build supportive housing and run supportive housing for formerly homeless. So not just providing housing, but actually providing the counseling and services that you need, whether it's job training or drug rehab or mental health. Um, we have this kind of, to me, two categories of homelessness. There are folks that teeter in and off the edge of being able to afford to live here in San Francisco. Um, that live pay paycheck to paycheck, and when they don't get that next paycheck, they could be homeless that next week. And so on that level, we need to continue to just um, support economic development, support job creation here in the city, support our small businesses that provide 60 to, that actually uh, create 60 to 70 percent of the jobs here in San Francisco, and that hire locally and tend to hire in the neighborhoods. Um, we need to push uh, legislation like local hire 
which is Supervisor Avalos's legislation, which is when, when, we do con when we do construction here in San Francisco and it's funded by public dollars, we demand that, uh, that they hire folks in our neighborhoods and in our city. So that's, that's kind of on the one end. Um, we, and we also have to see what we can do to subsidize um, other essential services, whether it's public transportation, um, public health, so that people can afford to live in a city that's expense, as, as expensive as San Francisco. And, and then we have another category of homelessness, which is more chronic homelessness, where it's not just living paycheck to paycheck, but you're also dealing with other issues, whether it's mental health or drug addiction, um, to name a few. And, and that's a much harder um, population to address. And, and I think, you know, the, the district that I represent has many of the community-based organizations that serves that population, but it continues to be um, a, a pressing problem. So if the city is ever successful in cleaning up the tenderloin to make it more desirable for families, for example, where do you think the addicts and mentally ill will go? Well, first of all, a ton of families already live in the tenderloin. Okay. It, I mean, most people don't realize this, but the tenderloin is, is a family neighborhood. And they live side by side with many of the SROs, uh, single room occupancy hotels in the, in the neighborhood. I, you know, I'm not a proponent for cleaning up the tenderloin. I, I love the tenderloin. I love what it is right now. Um, but, you know, I, I recognize that we have a diversity of folks that live there and people don't want to see open drug dealing. Right? I don't have a problem with people being out on the streets and socializing and, and, and you know, I think that is good. You know, it, that, that to me is more, you know, it's part of the character of the neighborhood. And I don't think that, that poverty is something that we should criminalize. That being said, um, we also can't be okay with open drug dealing. And so, uh, you know, I support foot patrol. Um, uh, we are currently working with several community-based organizations and our schools, like Tenderloin Elementary School, to do safe passages where we have high school students and adults volunteer to just walk kids in the neighborhood. But shockingly, one of the top issues for public safety for our kids are actually getting hit by cars more than getting harassed by their neighbors. Um, so that's something that we're working on as well, is what kind of traffic calming can we do on Ellis and Eddie? Can we turn some of those streets to be two-way? Because we have people just rushing from downtown you know, to, to go home and not realizing that this is a neighborhood that, that people live in. Um, another thing that we are trying to push is actually getting um, some business incubators in the neighborhood because there, there are a lot of people that want to open businesses that cater to uh, the families that live there. We don't have a full-service grocery store in the Tenderloin, um, but we do have a number of great small businesses that are coming up, restaurants, um, that I think are really uh, a part of supporting that neighborhood and also hiring in that neighborhood. So what's happening with crime in your district and how do you think the police department is doing? You know, it's a, it's a challenging issue. In my short time here on the Board of Supervisors, I probably interface with the police department, you know, every week, sometimes two or three times a week because we have such an incredible need um, from, from our police officers in our district, um, ranging all the way from South Beach to the Tenderloin to the intermission. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I really want to see community policing. And I know that we don't have a definition of what that means, but I want to see our officers out on the street walking the beat. And I want, our, I want our residents and our small business owners to know who they are. I think that that alone creates an atmosphere of safety um, 
that is, is really important, even if, if the costs per se aren't stopping crime or et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm really excited about the substation coming onto 6th Street um, and it being a place for foot patrol in, in the area and supporting the residents there. Um, and I think we need to continue to provide social services in our district because I think that that's also part of public safety. I think having after-school programs for our young people is important. I think having drop-in centers for um, our homeless is important. All of that contributes to, to public safety, so it has to be a partnership with SFPD. What are your thoughts on the community courts? Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually visited uh, the, the court that it was modeled after in Red Hook, Brooklyn, in New York City, and I, I love the Red Hook. Uh, court. It, it has a judge that has been there for years and has developed relationships with the neighborhood. He'll, he'll walk out in the middle of cases just to visit the apartments or the locations that, that they're talking about in the case and he's actually developed this relationship of trust um, with, with the neighborhood that I think has really been positive. I, I, I think that we're not there yet here. Um, in San Francisco, and I, I'm not sure if it's a time issue or if it's that the Tenderloin is a different type of neighborhood than Red Hook. Uh, I think for now I'm reserving judgment. Okay. Um, I do think that we need alternatives to our criminal justice system. I don't think the way our criminal justice system actually works. And what, we, what our criminal justice system is poor at is actually dealing with victims. And many of the offenders that come through our system started out as victims. And, and so we, the community courts is a good way of actually addressing both victims and offenders, which I think is important, and that's what I kind of hope to see from the community court here. And I think that we're just not there yet. Um, it doesn't mean that we can't get there. Um, it took several years, I think, for the staff and the judge to develop a relationship with that neighborhood, and I'm hoping that that's what we have here. What are your thoughts on the city's economic development? Are we on track, uh, or what would you like to change about the approach, if not? I think economic development is, is an area, a policy area that our city continues to struggle with because it's so impacted by what the state and the federal government does as well um, to impact job growth. And so in many ways, we're kind of dependent on what's happening all around us. Uh, on a local level, I, I would love for us um, to figure out what we can do to support small businesses because they really are the heart of San Francisco. And as I said before, they, they actually provide and create 60 to 70% of the jobs here in San Francisco. Most people don't realize that small businesses are what, what, what provides jobs here. And they provide it locally, and they're not going to go, you know, they're not going to offshore their, their jobs anytime. And so I think we, we have a very, we're in a very difficult city to do business in. We have tons of permits and tons of different departments that you have to go through and bills that come at different months. And I wish that there are ways that we could streamline it for businesses um, just to make it easier for them to be here in, in San Francisco. What are your thoughts on expanding the tax breaks uh, given to new businesses in the mid-market uh, area to other areas in your district? Yeah, so, you know, this legislation was a very tough piece of legislation for me. And, uh, you know, I, I talked a little bit earlier about how we have to look at raising taxes and raising revenue and fees. And so for me, tax exemptions is something that I'm, I don't philosophically support. Um, yet, I also represent a part of San Francisco that has been neglected for decades, um, and that's the mid-market corridor. Uh, we have over 3 million square foot of commercial real estate. And, and a lot of it has been uh, vacant for decades. And, for example, the building that, that Twitter is actually going to be moving into has been vacant since 1968. 
So at this point, we have to start looking at what tools do we have to help revitalize the area. And uh, what, what I liked about this legislation was that we're not just giving you a tax break to come in. You actually have to create jobs. So you still continue to pay your current payroll tax base. Um, but if you move to mid-market um, and you create more jobs, we won't tax you on those new jobs for the next six years. And for the next six years, you're a community partner with us, help work with us in revitalizing that neighborhood, but, but carefully with the city um, and in partnership with many of the community-based organizations that are in the area. And, and then, you know, if you're successful in six years, hopefully, uh, and mid-market becomes successful in six years, hopefully, you come back into, into the, in the tax system. I don't have an interest in expanding it. I, I think that this, this legislation was very specific about revitalizing mid-market. It wasn't about giving corporate welfare to companies. That wasn't the purpose. It, um, the purpose was to help revitalize this area and make it the use that it's supposed to be for large businesses that, that has that um, has an a incredible number of jobs for San Franciscans. Uh, we have 18 muni bus lines that run through it. Uh, we have an infrastructure to support it. I'm not rezoning a neighborhood to be something other than what it's supposed to be. And that's why the, the legislation was carefully tailored and crafted um, to have that type of outcome. But, you know, I, I'm going to have to continue to monitor the legislation and make sure that it's just doing what we want it to do. Talk about the role of sports in the city's uh, economic future. Are you happy with plans for the America's Cup? Should we spend money to try to keep the 49ers? You know, I, I, I'm still open on, on, on that issue. I'm, I'm a fan of the 49ers and, of course, our Giants and our Warriors, and, and I, I want them to stay in the Bay Area and to be close to transit <laughs> so that we can, we can go to games. One thing that I love about the Giants is that it's so easily accessible by Caltrain and by Muni, um, and, and it's just so easy to get to. Uh, and I hope to see that kind of infrastructure built for the 49ers if they, if they stay here in San Francisco. And the same with America's Cup. You know, I think I'm, I'm proud that San Francisco was a city that was picked for America's Cup. But we also have to make sure that as we build infrastructure for major sporting events such as these, that we're keeping in mind uh, the needs of, of San Franciscans and what they'd like to see come out of, come out of these events and that it benefits us. It creates jobs for us. Um, and it helps raise our tax base. Mm -hmm. This is slightly unrelated, but I'm curious how you feel uh, your work with the school, the school board, mm -hmm. has prepared you for the work that you're doing as supervisor. Well, I'll say this about the Board of Education. When, when I ran for the Board of Education, I, I really did want to serve and represent um, families here in San Francisco, especially families that I worked with that I didn't feel like necessarily had a voice in the public school um, system. And, but I viewed it kind of as a duty. Mm -hmm. And what really surprised me about being on the school board was how much I enjoyed it. I really, I loved it. I, I loved meeting with families, meeting with youth, meeting with teachers, visiting schools, and, and getting a, real, a deeper understanding of what it means to make our system work better and doing it with our communities. Uh, and I, I really grew to enjoy what policy making means. So on that level, it prepared me for what I'm doing on a much wider scale, working in a larger variety of issues, is what does it mean to work with constituents? What does it mean to um, create policies? And, uh, and, and also kind of, you know, the whole interfacing with your colleagues and a variety of different departments and working with a large bureaucracy to make it happen. Because it's, it's tough. It's not easy to move a large organization. And coming before as a community organizer and always working in very small nonprofits, um, 
I, it was very unfamiliar to me to kind of have to slowly move a large glacier. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, that's something that I experience here in the city as well. Are there any other issues that concern you that we haven't discussed, or uh, are there any issues that are of specific interest that you plan to concentrate on throughout your term as supervisor? Well, job growth, economic development is important to our, um, to our office. Land use, um, you know, I, I get to represent, I think, the, one of the most exciting and dynamic districts in the city. It's where change is happening. And so I think it's really exciting in terms of um, how we can model what it means to be a smart growth neighborhood, um, how we can use transit and housing effectively um, to serve our city, and, and also to do a lot of the new green-type policies and building um, that we've developed over the last 10 years is, is really important. But the third area that our, that our office is really interesting, interested in is how to support families and youth. And honestly, it's something that I don't think that City Hall has done a good enough job in. And it's something that I experienced a lot while working on the school board, which just focuses on youth and families. And so I think in many ways, um, we at City Hall feel like we're a little off the hook in that area, that we don't have to worry about our public schools um, and our after-school programs because other people have got it covered. And I think the city can do a tremendous amount for our schools. And I think we can do a tremendous amount for our families. Um, one thing that we are working on that I'm actually continuing from my predecessor, Chris Daly, is creating a youth and family zone in western Soma. And what we can do to ensure that we're um, prioritizing parks and affordable housing for families, so two, three bedrooms, and, and kind of reducing certain uses, whether it's liquor stores or other type of entertainment uses. Uh, I, I think that we we need to support things that our schools can't fund, like summer school. Um, I would love for our city, in better revenue years, um, to, be, to have the longest school year and the longest school day um, in the state of California, to really model for the rest of California what you could actually do if you really funded schools. Um, and that's something that our state doesn't do currently. So that's the third area. Uh, that's probably a little bit down the line. Uh, hopefully, as we're able to kind of kickstart our economy back up again. Well, it looks like we're out of time, so we're going to have to wrap this up. I want to thank you for joining us today on SFGov TV's Meet Your District Supervisor. Thank you. We've been talking to Supervisor Jane Kim from District 6. Watch for the next episode of Meet Your District Supervisor when we'll be back with another one of our 11 city supervisors. For SFGov TV, I'm Holly Lee Knox.